Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. I will say right at the start of this discussion with Foster and Motley, Zach Horn, bonds make my head hurt. And this podcast is about alternative bonds. I'm Patrice Sakora. Zach, I sincerely hope you can help me get past the pain here. Let's start with a refresher of what bonds are, and then we'll dig into alternative bonds. Sure, Patrice, you're not alone in, in finding confusion in talking about bonds. So as we deal with investors and clients, obviously the stock market gets most of the attention, gets most of the conversation, but bonds are a big part of an appropriate asset allocation for a lot of clients. And they serve multiple purposes, one being a differentiator or a diversifier to stocks, uh, typically a risk-reducing differentiator or diversifier to stocks. And it allows for investing in a way that can generate positive returns over the long run for a portfolio with less volatility than being all in stocks. So bonds are essentially a, a debt, their debt, they're, you're lending money to an institution, whether it's the United States government or a corporation or a municipality, and you are expecting to get interest payments and eventually have your principal returned to you. So we often deal with debt in taking out loans, a mortgage on a home, or even you know borrowing on a credit card, whatever it may be. And bonds are just when the investor is the lender, essentially. So the, you know, the purpose here is, again, that you're going to be investing in a way that is typically much less risky than stocks, uh, that can produce some cash flow in the form of those interest payments that will uh, ultimately lead to some positive returns. And, um, and also it gives you another bucket to, to pull from when stock values go down and you need to rebalance. So an important part of investing is having a diversified portfolio, different types of stocks, also including some bonds and rebalancing on a regular basis. And so, you know, that's what we think about when we think about utilizing bonds. Typically, most younger investors are going to be very stock heavy. They've got a longer time horizon so they can handle the short-term risk that comes with stock investing, knowing that the long-term gains will be there. But then as, uh, as clients, as investors get later on in life, closer to retirement, to the point uh, where they're going to be needing money from their portfolio to, to live, you know, replacing that paycheck in retirement, bonds become an integral part of the equation. And again, a more stable portion that helps generate that cash flow to, to pay for all the wonderful things that people need to cover in their retirement and in their life. All right. Now, we talk about a 60-40 balance of stock and bonds in somebody's portfolio. That's done pretty well for the last couple of decades, but things have changed now. Yeah, that's fair. The 60-40, it's the standard in investment mix in portfolios and has been for quite some time now. It's just basically 60% growth or stock allocation. 60% bond uh, or income allocation as it's considered. So looking at stocks is mostly a growth asset. 
though stocks can also generate income in the form of dividends and looking at bonds as mostly an income asset, earning interest payments from your bonds, though bonds can go up and down in value as well. And, and we've seen some strong years of, of rising values uh, over the last 30 to 40 years. And it has been uh, a very good market for bonds because interest rates have been declining. So back in the 80s, interest rates were incredibly high. And you know we have clients that always say, oh yeah, I remember back then when I was <laughs> taking out a mortgage on my home and it was 15, 16, 17%. Obviously that's not the case today. So from that point until now, interest rates have been on a steady decline. And it's, we liken it to a teeter-totter. When interest rates go down, the value of bonds go up. And the reason being is that new bonds are being issued at lower interest rates. So existing bonds that have a higher rate of interest are worth more. And so as interest rates have been coming down, bond portfolios have done well, not only from the income being produced in the form of those interest payments we talked about, but also the price of the bonds had been rising as well. And you know, in the last several years, we've gotten into a very, very low interest rate environment, historically so, into the last uh, couple of years to the point where there's, a, there's no, nowhere but up, essentially. We're, we saw some goofy things internationally. We saw negative interest rates. I mean, that's how low uh, interest rates had gone. And we saw in, in the United States, of course, very low interest rates. And the Federal Reserve had worked to bring interest rates down and to keep them down to help buoy the stock market and the economy, et cetera. I won't go down that path too much, but just to point out that this, these are historically unique times for how low interest rates are. And now here in the last year, really the, the most of it in the last six months, but in the last year, year and a half, interest rates have begun to rise and, and they've moved in you know, really a short amount of time, they've moved quite a bit. And so that's why we're seeing historically bad bond market returns. Last year, the bond market was negative. This year, the bond market is dramatically negative. It has been uh, down almost as much as stocks currently, and it was down more than stocks at many point in points in time throughout the year. And so looking at an index, say the, the, the Barclays uh, aggregate bond index, which is essentially the universe of government bonds and corporate bonds and mortgage-backed bonds, it shows a, a negative almost 9% return right now. And history, history does not show bond returns going that low, yeah. especially this early on in a year. So it's been, it has been a flip from a very long and sustained period of strength in bond returns to a very challenged environment right now. Then what are alternative bonds? Yes. Yeah, so alternative bonds, just like alternative investments that, that kind of became a catchphrase in investing to mean essentially anything other than traditional, anything other than traditional investments, traditional stocks and bonds was considered an alternative asset. And in the bond world, what we call alternative bonds or alternative lending would just be anything outside of the more traditional areas of fixed income, which include government bonds, think U.S. treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, again, uh, mortgages on your home, those get pooled together and then you know, utilized as a, as a fixed income investment and corporate debt. So when a company, a public company borrows that, that corporate debt or municipal debt, 
-hmm. when a city, a state, some sort of municipality uh, borrows, there's uh, debt there as well. So those have been more traditional pieces of the bond world. And alternative bonds have incorporated uh, some new strategies, some not so new, but just everything that's kind of outside of that traditional uh, classification. And so the interest or the importance of alternative bonds right now has come about because of that traditional market being so challenged, as I mentioned. Um, very low yields, especially in government debt, so government debt, especially the U.S. government debt, is really the kind of the benchmark for, for high rating of security of investment. The full faith and credit of the United States government backs that government debt. So it is a AAA high quality bond. And so because of that relatively low risk profile, the yields are especially low on those investments which makes sense. The, the lower the risk, the less you would expect your return will be. And so in a really low interest rate environment, clients, especially those retired clients, as I mentioned earlier, that want to live off of the income of their portfolio are starved for yield. They're starved for that cash flow. It used to be that people could be reliably live off of you know, cash equivalents like certificates of deposits and things like that would actually pay a decent interest rate. And Clearly, that's not the case now where you know, CDs and cash pay next to nothing. So in, in that regard, what we're looking to do or what investors are looking to do by incorporating alternative bonds is to find some other avenues where there may be higher yields to be gained and also piece together a diversified bond portfolio that can reduce some of the risks that are out there, namely interest rate risk which is the, the biggest factor. And that is the risk when interest rates rise that the value of your existing bonds go down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, thinking about alternative lending is really focusing on those two points, adding some yield and protecting from risks, including interest rate risk. Well, let's go through some examples of alternative bonds. Sure. So as I mentioned, it, it's a, a catch-all of sorts for for anything that's not the, the traditional bonds. And some that that includes would be private corporate debt. So public corporate debt is part of the traditional bucket. Private corporate debt is, is not, and it's more of an alternative lending strategy. And that looks more attractive right now from a, a yield perspective, an interest rate perspective than public debt. So utilizing that is an opportunity to have higher income generating bonds. And with that comes additional risk. There's, you know, that th this level of investment may still be uh, what's called investment grade. It's not high yield necessarily or, or junk bonds, which you know, high yield debt is often called, but it's still you know, potentially more credit risk there, more risk uh, that the company in question, you know, may not be solvent or may not be able to make its payments, et cetera. But the yield in certain instances, the return makes up for that risk. And so we're seeing that in that environment. And then there's also uh, consumer debt, securitized loans, consumer debt tied to you know everything from 
automobile debt to credit card debt to things like that. So, um, you know, there's, there's an investable market for that. And again, you know, that, that sort of debt takes on a, a different credit risk profile, but can be pretty attractive in an environment where, again, yields are low and where interest rate risk is, is our main concern. And then there's some of the investments in this area are floating rate bonds, which the, the rate floats as, as is in the name there. And, and that means when interest rates uh, rise, the, the rates will rise with it and therefore, again, not be subject to the, the teeter-totter that I mentioned as much, mm-hmm. the interest rate risk and the, the loss of value potential. And so uh, those are all areas. There's also reinsurance debt, and this gets in the weeds a bit, but it's essentially just you know spinning off um, risk from insurance companies to the reinsurer and then on into the, the lending world. And investors can take on pools of, of that type of debt, which is you know related to natural catastrophe. So clearly a lot different than you know the solvency of a company or a municipality. And so it just adds for diversification. And again, just decreasing some of today's risks in the bond market that are most prevalent. There are also things I think like international and emerging market debt, you've got private lending funds, which you kind of mentioned to be for related to real estate. But Zach, who has access to these vehicles? So most of these investments are done through mutual funds uh, or exchange traded funds or even private lending funds, private investments. So it's, it's not as if we're going out and picking specific individual bonds or that most investors would, but with the expansive environment of, of mutual funds and exchange traded funds these days, uh, the you know, consumers, investors can get access to certain types of investments that pretty much relegated to the institutional area before and not to the retail investor. And then being that we are an investment advisor, you know, we've got some, we've got the resources to do the due diligence and to get access to some of these funds that aren't available uh, at the retail level either. And so basically we're utilizing mutual funds and we're looking at these funds and, and making sure we understand the underlying structure, the approach by the fund manager, the costs, there's a cost to mutual funds and making sure that they're in the best interest of our clients, that they're going to impact the portfolio in the way that we are hoping to and you know, seeking out again, higher yield, diversification, risk protection, et cetera. Zach, if, if folks have questions, uh, how can they get to you? And tell me more about what Foster & Motley is doing. Well, Foster & Motley continues to expand our alternative lending piece of portfolios. Again, I keep reiterating, we're seeking to reduce risk of, of rising interest rates in this environment. And really the way that we look at portfolios is to take a very customized approach. So it takes lots of time and effort and due diligence but it's all worthwhile to um, provide a portfolio that is customized and makes sense for the clients that we work with. So all of our investment managers welcome questions about alternative bonds or any other part of a client portfolio. 
For those that would be interested in learning more about Foster and Motley or connecting with us, please check us out at our website, www.fosterandmotley.com. Outstanding, Zach. Thanks so much. And listener, don't let bonds or alternative bonds give you a headache. They can explain them for you at Foster and Motley. And for the latest podcast from the folks there, follow Foster and Motley's podcast about life and wealth, and of course, share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.